To understand the physical world in detail, the physicists look at the big world as well as the minute world. The big world consists of the planets, the stars, the galaxies, gravity and so. The minute world comprises atoms and the tiny particles within those atoms. There is a clear correlation between the macroscopic world and the microscopic one. Everything really is connected. Likewise, for a thorough understanding of your personal financial strategies, it is essential to study both the world in detail, that is, the micro world of your individual day-to-day -day financial decisions and the big world of macroeconomics. This involves elements like employment, GDP and inflation, topics frequently discussed in news stories and government policy debates. But how does the macro impact the micro? How does the overall economic health of India, reflected in its GDP, influence your approach to long-term financial planning? In what ways can the fluctuations in the national unemployment rate affect your decisions regarding job stability and income security? Considering the impact of inflation on the purchasing power of money, how does it shape your investment strategies? How do global economic trends influence your diversification portfolio? I'm your host Ashish Chavla. Welcome to another episode of Temperament by One Finance where we explore emotions and biases and their effect on the way we handle our money. Our aim is to help you avoid costly mistakes by giving you practical financial knowledge that helps you make smarter financial decisions. In this episode, my aim is to simplify the macroeconomics of the broader world so that you can understand its impact on your personal financial landscape. To provide a comprehensive perspective on macroeconomics, I'm joined by a special guest, Mr. Nilesh Shah. He has served as a Chief Investment Officer at Franklin Templeton, India. He holds the position of Managing Director at Kotak Mahindra Asset Management. Welcome to the show, Mr. Shah. My pleasure. So what's your outlook on India's current macroeconomic situation? So Ashish, I think that you know, the God is an Indian upstairs. Look at our challenges and how it is getting resolved. We were worried about political continuity. State election results gave confidence to the market. Market was worried about higher oil prices thanks to the Middle East crisis. And despite production cut, oil is still under in two digits. In the month of August, market was worried about monsoon. But September, rain recovered. The overall rains are in deficit, but not by a big margin, like in August. There was worry about growth. The growth number for September quarter came way ahead of everyone's expectation. Market was worried about US Fed keeping rates higher for longer. And boom, US Fed has now turned around. So someone up is saying Tathastu, and which is why our macroeconomic situation seems to be in such a good position. There's another thing which is also divine in Indian market. Uh, probably God also knows that we are Indian. And final, we have despite very, very record performance. That's a very touchy topic, sir. <laughs> but the fact remains that uh, not only India is doing well, but others are doing badly. Like Russia's Ukraine invasion has shut that market for global investors. China's design on Taiwan is keeping investors cautious despite attractive valuations. Brazil's communist government does cast shadow on investors' expectations. South Africa's social tension 
again makes it a very, very difficult place to invest. Effectively, while our macroeconomy looks good, the rest of the peers' macroeconomy looks bad. Again, Birbal ki kahani ban rahi hai. Hamari line to jaisi hai, waisi hai. But dusro ki line choti ho rahi hai. To hamari line badi dikhne lagi hai. Put all these things together. Today, India is oasis in the global desert. And the best way to describe India is that for almost seven decades, we were a bogey or a coach in the global growth, in, growth train. When world used to move at a faster pace, we used to run. Today, we have become the part of global engine for the global growth train. Hum chalenge, to saath mein dunia chalegi. That shows how India has evolved over the years. I think that's extremely well put. India has definitely become the global growth engine. Can you also share a few macro indicators that support this? So there are many indicators which give you a sense where economy is moving. The first is the speed with which economy is growing. In 2014, we were 10th largest economy in the world. Today, we are 5th largest. And everyone agrees that India will become 3rd largest by end of this decade. So we are moving at a faster pace than our peers and becoming 3rd largest economy by end of this decade. The second thing is, is growth stable? Is growth going to become volatile thanks to events? Two ways to verify growth. One is inflation. We are one of the few countries where inflation is well within the central bank's target range. Even US Fed, despite so much effort, has not been able to brought inflation under control. It is above their target range. And the second thing is FX position. India today has fourth largest FX reserves in the world in excess of $620 billion. We are one of the few countries in the world whose net FX reserve is more than net FX debt. So internally inflation, externally FX reserves gives cushion to our economy. Now economy is driven by three things, consumption, investment, and trade balance. On consumption side, we have little bit of worries on rural consumption. Monsoon, while it is recovered, it is still not, you know, average monsoon. It does put some doubt on rural recovery, but subject to rural consumption and recovery, rest of the consumption has started moving in right direction. Investment, government is leading investment. And more importantly, infrastructure which was built before 2013 is almost getting replicated or built in 10 years between 14 to 24. Trade balance, Indian exports are recovering, especially led by services. And PLI scheme augurs well for manufacturing exports. So all the three engines of India growth story, be it consumption, be it investment, be it trade, are firing on all cylinders, making India the fastest growing major economy in the world. 
so whether we look at from a stability point of view growth point of view fundamentals point of view india truly appears as oasis in the desert right but if you look at the rating agency's verdict that doesn't really go in favor of india what is your thought on how seriously we should consider the ratings of these agencies so shakespeare had said what's there in the name a rose is a rose by whatever name called but humne dekha hai ki a name rebels a lot so one of the rating agency says that we are moody that means unke rating to unke mood ke upar banenge aur dusra wala bol raha hai ki our standards are poor so poor standard wale ka rating leke hame kya fayda today undoubtedly as i mentioned rating agencies think that despite 5000 years of history of india from harappa mohenjodaro days till today where we haven't defaulted to anyone we are not good enough to get higher rating countries like greece and argentina which have defaulted many times in the past historically they had enjoyed better rating than india for several years it just shows that there is one rating for white country another rating for a brown country as i mentioned we are one of the few countries in the world whose net fx reserves is more than net fx debt can rating agency justify a company whose cash on hand is more than debt at a lower rating answer is clearly no but fair enough ratings as i mentioned are moody with poor standards that i must say is as witty an answer as it can get and i hear you loud and clear sir let me now focus on a few specific indicators i'll begin with inflation how do you perceive inflation's current impact on the economy and what does it mean for personal finance so ashish bhai the most important thing for an investor is to generate real return agar aapke paas 100 rupaye hai and aap use nivesh karke 8% return banayenge to ek saal ke baad 100 ka 108 but jo cheez aapko khareedni hai if that's going to increase in price by 10% your real return is actually minus 2% while nominally it may look 8% so every investor has to generate real return which will outperform inflation in india's case for decades we had very high inflation if you remember old hindi movies the villain used to be black market here the heroine used to sing mehngai mar gayi today we have many problems but to a great extent we have controlled inflation by mandating rbi to manage inflation within a particular range it is known as inflation targeting and there is also lot of effort on supply side put together both these things have ensured that inflation remains under control which means as an investor i have better chances of generating real return and outperforming inflation so as of today rbi has been in a driver's seat they raised interest rates much earlier than the cycle they tightened liquidity much before needed and which is where we are currently in a situation where inflation is within rbi's target range and growth is still at a elevated level my feeling is that rbi will wait for fed to play their cards market expects us fed to cut interest rates in march april 
after witnessing what Fed is doing on global interest rates, RBI will take their call. Of course, they will be data-driven if inflation remains subdued like it is currently and growth remains supported, they will probably look to lower interest rates in second half of 24. As interest rate starts declining, undoubtedly the value of a bond starts appreciating. We believe right now is the time for investors to go and lock into longest maturity papers as one year down the line, there are very good chances for interest rates to decline. Changes in inflation rates impact our personal finance decisions profoundly. Inflation diminishes the purchasing power of money, leading to adjustments in budgets and spending habits. Investment strategies are also affected as we seek avenues that can potentially outpace inflation, such as stock or real estate. Government's monetary policy in the form of RBI setting the repo rates impacts inflation. When there is a shortage of funds, commercial banks borrow money from RBI, which is repaid according to the repo rate. At present, it is at 6.5%. RBI provides these short-term loans against securities such as government bonds. This is used to control inflation or increase the liquidity of banks. The government increases the repo rate when it needs to control prices and restrict borrowings. On the other hand, the repo rate is decreased when there is a need to infuse more money into the market and support economic growth. Government's fiscal policies, including taxation and government spending, affect inflation as well. So, Mr. Shah, how has the fiscal stimulus impacted the economy and what is your thought on its potential long-term effects? So, essentially, Ashish Bhai, when we look at fiscal deficit, it is excess of expenditure over income. Now, imagine if you are in a family and the family keeps on borrowing money to spend on travel and uh, cinema watching and eating at restaurants. You can very well imagine what will be the situation of that family eventually. On the other end, there is a family which does borrow money, but they borrow money to build houses, invest in good quality companies. Eventually, you know that they will be in good shape as their assets will appreciate and compensate for the interest as well as the loan. In India's case, as well as in rest of the world, governments spend more than what they earn in order to support their economy and citizens. In India's case, earlier we used to borrow money to spend on revenue expenditure, salaries, wages, pension, defense expenditure, and so on and so forth. Now we are borrowing, but a large part of it is going towards creating infrastructure assets. This year, FY24, government's net borrowing program is about 11.5 lakh crore and their investment is roughly about 10 lakh crore. Thus, we are creating assets by borrowing money and hence fiscal deficit, which remains elevated, is reasonable. Eventually, we have to lower this fiscal deficit by improving our income and rationalizing our expenditure. This is where freebies promised by political parties come into play. We are a poor, developing country. Yes, we are fifth largest economy and will become third largest, but on a per capita basis, we have a low per capita GDP. Hence, fiscal deficit should be monitored wisely. It should be used to create assets, not to fund revenue expenditure. Thank you, Mr. Shah, for the profound insights. 
macroeconomic indicators offer a comprehensive framework for analyzing the overall functioning of an economy. Understanding how to interpret such indicators can assist you in making wise financial decisions. As I conclude part one of the episode, I have a few questions for you. Do you understand how changes in the job market scenario directly affect you? Are you aware of the best ways to plan your investments in the current economic conditions? And do you grasp the changes around the world and their impact on your financial strategies? To get answers to these questions, join me in the second part of the episode as I continue my discussion with Ms. Isha. I will delve deeper into the relationship between the macro and the micro aspects of personal finance, providing you with valuable insights to make informed decisions. Additionally, for a better understanding of macroeconomic trends, you can log on to one finance website and comprehend exactly how various indicators impact you. Thanks for listening and I will see you on the other side. Investment in securities market are subject to market risks. Read all related documents carefully before investing. The securities quoted are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.